You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. to me. He began doing that to me. I wasn't living for the Lord at the time, and now I'm wondering if God wasn't trying to get my attention. He finally got my attention. This is out of the ordinary. This is not normal. And when you have something happen out of the ordinary in your life that's not pleasant, are you going the way God wants you to go? Maybe he's trying to get our attention. Has anything out of the ordinary occurred recently in your life? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Danny, he teaches you to pay attention when things happen that aren't normal. Sometimes God will use these events to teach you something. He'll use these occurrences to sometimes gain your attention. Pastor Danny encourages you to take everything to the Lord in prayer. Ask God if he's trying to use this to get your attention and what he desires for you to do about it. Seek God for everything. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, as he begins his message, the story of Balaam. verse 1 then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho so they're right on the brink of the promised land verse 2 now Balak son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and Moab was terrified because there were so many people so many of the Amorites that had been defeated and of course that's by the power of God indeed Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, this horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor near the river in his native land. Balaam is a sorcerer. He has a reputation. He's a very successful sorcerer. Balak said, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and they've settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I'll be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. There again, the reputation that Balaam has. He's good at what he does. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. It doesn't tell us the amount, but it would have been a significant amount of money because of Balaam's reputation. He gets top dollar. 
for his sorcery. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I'll bring you back the answer the Lord gives me. If in your Bible, the Lord there is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's telling you that that's the Hebrew word for Jehovah. Doesn't tell us how Balaam knows that the God of Israel's name is Jehovah, but I think it's a given if he's as good as his reputation goes, well, he's studied. He knows the different gods. Therefore, he no doubt knows the name of the God of Israel is Jehovah. So the Moabite princes stayed with him. And verse 9 is incredible. <laughs> In one way, God came to Balaam. So he reveals himself and he asks, who are these men with you? Now pause there just for a minute. We shouldn't be surprised that God reveals himself to this sorcerer named Balaam. Uh, I'll just give you a few more examples. No need to turn to them, but uh, Abimelech, king of Gerar. Remember, Abraham was down in his area. Abimelech is not a believer in the God of Israel, and yet God reveals himself to him. Pharaoh, Genesis 41, the dreams that God gave Pharaoh, he revealed himself to Pharaoh. Nebuchadnezzar, in both a dream and in visions, Daniel chapter 4. New Testament, God revealed himself to Pilate through his wife. She had a dream about the very one standing before her husband, Jesus. So we shouldn't be surprised. Verse 10, Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. People that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I'll be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You cannot get any clearer than that. Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. Next morning, Balaam got up, said to Balak's princes, go back to your own country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite princes returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. This guy's got to be shocked. Then Balak sent other princes, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. Could be a whole message, not going to be, but listen. When you make the right decision when God speaks to you clearly and you resist the temptation, and it had to be a temptation for Balaam, I mean, again, we aren't told how much money they had, but it had to be a significant amount of money because of Balaam's reputation, and it's the king of Moab, Balak. It's a lot of loot, no doubt about it. And yet God speaks clearly to Balaam, do not go with them, and Balaam, he makes the right decision. But just because you resisted the first temptation doesn't mean temptation is over. It's over for today. It's coming back. Jesus said every day has enough evil of its own. Ephesians 6, in the context of spiritual warfare and the armor that God has provided for us as New Testament believers to win the battle against our enemy, in the context of that, verse 13 of Ephesians 6 says there is a day of evil. Satan is a planner. He's a schemer. Paul the Apostle even mentioned in one of his letters, and he said, we're not unaware of his schemes, his schemes. Every day has enough evil to resist, but there is a day of evil. And you resist one time, guess what? 
Temptation's coming again, and it does to Balaam. More numerous princes, more distinguished princes. Doesn't tell us. Well, it does tell us. What am I saying? They came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Don't let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. Whatever the amount was they came initially with, they come back with a blank check. Balak says, you fill in the amount. Whatever you want, he'll do it. You tell me that's not a hard temptation. Fill in the blank. Come on. What could I have? What could you have? That's a great temptation. But notice verse 18, but Balak answered them. Catch this. Even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord. I underline these next two words, my God. It wasn't his God before. He's a sorcerer. The God of Israel is not the God of a sorcerer, but God has revealed himself to Balaam. And here he says, hey, doesn't matter what Balak gives me, this palace filled with silver and gold. I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Hip, hip, hooray for Balaam. But verse 19 troubles me greatly. After he makes that tremendous statement and takes that stand, verse 18, then he says to these guys, verse 19, now stay here tonight as the others did, and I'll find out what else the Lord will tell me. How many parents we got in the house how many parents we got in the house? How many parents we got in the house that when the child comes to one parent and asks for something and that parent says no, the child goes to the other parent? Yeah, we've all been there. That's why moms and dads got to communicate regularly. <laughs> what do you mean? Stay here tonight as the others did and I'll find out what else the Lord will tell me. The implication to me clearly is He's looking for a different answer. And what did God say? Do not go with them. Do not go with them. Clear. Verse 20 can be confusing, but it shouldn't be if you read the whole story. Verse 20, that night God came to Balaam and said, here's what he said, since these men have come to you to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Did God change his mind? don't believe it at all because I know the whole story. I know the next verse. What's the next verse? Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab, but God was very angry when he went. Now, somebody here might be confused. I'm going to try to help you out. If God speaks to me very clearly and says, don't go, and I decide I want to go, it's a foolish prayer to say, well, God, if you don't want me to go, then you stop me. I know people that have prayed that. It was those kind of prayers. Well, I, I prayed to God, if you didn't want me to, to, to date him, you stop me. God, if you didn't want me to marry her, then stop me. What? That's foolish, that's foolish praying. He's given us wisdom. He's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. And listen, when he clearly said, don't go with them, he means don't go with them. But God knows Balaam's heart. God knows his heart. And because God knows our hearts, when we're determined we want to go a certain way, God will let us go that way 
in hopes that going that path, we will learn a very valuable lesson. And that is, we should have never gone that path. So Balaam goes, God's angry. And notice the middle of verse 22. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. I got to pause there for just a minute. Anytime in the Old Testament you're reading and you come across the angel of the Lord, that's Christ, before he became the man Jesus, before he became the baby Jesus, that's Christ. Now, some of you have heard me say that before. Now, I want to just take a minute and go to a few passages because I want you to see it. I want you to see it and not just trust me, all right? I want you to trust the Word of God. Genesis chapter 22, Genesis 22, Abraham on Mount Moriah, there to offer his one and only son. It's a picture of uh, the father offering his one and only son, Christ. Verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, only God would do that. I swear by myself, declares the Lord. This is the angel of the Lord. That because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, your seed, all nations on earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. This is the angel of the Lord. This is Christ. Exodus chapter 3. You'll be familiar with this one, most of us, I think. Moses, the burning bush. Chapter 3, verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. You jump down to verse 5, do not come any closer, God said, the angel of the Lord. Take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God, the angel of the Lord. Joshua chapter 5. I love this one. This is so cool. Joshua chapter 5. And you go down to verse 13. They're preparing to go into the promised land. And just before they go, verse 13. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy. Only time that ever happens is when God is there before the person. Even though the phrase, the angel of the Lord is not here, we know this is the angel of the Lord. This is Christ. I'll just give you Judges chapter six. We won't turn to it. Gideon, the angel of the Lord appears before him. When he realizes it's God, he thinks he's going to die. Thank God he doesn't. Samson's parents, Judges chapter 13, the angel of the Lord appears before them. And you read the passage, you know it's God. Here's before Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 2 Kings 19.35. That's an interesting one because I don't know if everybody will remember the story of when God went out and 
slew 185,000 men in the Assyrian army. Technically, who did it? It says the angel of the Lord went out and killed 185,000 men in the Assyrian army. Jesus, the Christ, he's a warrior. And then Zechariah 3, before Joshua the high priest, back in Numbers, but as we turn back, you want to write down, maybe if you'd like to, Psalm 34, verse 7. Here's what it says. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. That's a cool verse. That's a good one to memorize. So it's Christ. He's come to oppose Balaam because he's gone a direction. God said, do not go. The middle of verse 22, Balaam was riding on his donkey. And his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. The donkey sees the angel of the Lord. Balaam doesn't. I never tire of reading or teaching this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. A jackass has more spiritual discernment than Balaam. That's pretty bad. Verse 24, then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat her again. Could be a whole message, not going to be. But you know what happens when you go a direction, God says, don't go. You end up with a lame walk, a lame walk. His foot is crushed. Verse 26, then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam and he was angry and he beat her with his staff. Verse 28, never gets old. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she said to Balaam, and the word in the Hebrew, and the reason it's translated she in my translation, which is the correct translation, it's a she donkey. That's the Hebrew word. It's a female donkey. And she said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? (laughs) Never gets old. But that's not my favorite part. My favorite part is not the miracle of God allowing the donkey to speak. My favorite part is the next verse. Balaam answered the donkey. How does that ever get old? I mean, it's one thing for God to allow this donkey to miraculously speak with a human voice to his master Balaam. But Balaam begins to have a conversation with his jackass. Balaam said, you made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. The donkey says back, am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? And again, every time I go through it, I can see Balaam thinking for a minute. And I don't know how soon he answered, but he thinks back over how long he's had this donkey. And he says, no, no, you haven't been in the habit of doing this. This is out of the ordinary. This is odd. Now, I always like to throw in at this point, I had a, uh, a donkey once, but he was disguised in a pony's body. 
First prayer I remember praying when I was a kid, I'm not kidding, first prayer I remember praying, I prayed it repeatedly and I, and I prayed it like this, God, if you give me a pony, I'll never ask you for anything else as long as I live. Here I am, three, four years old, beginning to pray that prayer, you know, and I prayed it for a, a long time. Finally got a pony named Little Rock and found out within a year he was really a donkey. <laughs> he, he, we used to fight, literally fight. I'm just glad God never allowed him to talk in a human voice because I'd have probably ended up having a conversation with him. And I wasn't for the, living for the Lord at the time. I learned how to ride bareback and I'd be going down through the soybean fields that had been uh, cut down, you know, and you just got this flat field in South Carolina and I'd learned to ride bareback and I'm just, I'm all Little Rock can do and he could, he could run, he could run. And then one day, first time it happened, first time it happened, he dug all four hoofs in lowered his head down, and I went sailing into the soybeans on the ground. And he took off. First time he did it, he was lost for two days. We didn't know where he was. Thought somebody had run over him, but we figured somebody would run over him, we'd find out. It'd, it'd be in the paper, and the, you know, there's only 5,000 people lived in our town. The paper's about that thick, and you'd know. And then uh, finally, somebody came by and said, hey, uh, I think I saw your pony over here at Mr. I forget the guy's name, elderly fellow. I'm sure he's not, not living anymore. And my pony had gone over there and fell in love with his mule. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling you all that story, but that's the truth. <laughs> but he began doing that to me. He began doing that to me. I wasn't living for the Lord at the time, and now I'm wondering if God wasn't trying to get my attention. <laughs> he finally got my attention. This is out of the ordinary, this is not normal. And when you have something happen out of the ordinary in your life that's not pleasant, are you going the way God wants you to go? Maybe he's trying to get our attention. Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. Good move. Good move. And the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? You see, uh, again, I could get off on this, but I'm not going to. But sometimes when we're not going the way the Lord wants us to go, and he allows things in our lives that aren't pleasant to try to get our attention, to try to get us to repent, all right? It's interesting. Sometimes we will lash out at the very instrument that he's trying to use to get us back on the right path. We start beating our donkeys. Sometimes the jackass is in a human body, and God's trying to use them to get our attention, to get us back on the right path. Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. Reckless, it means to act without thinking or caring about the consequences. You're headed for trouble, Balaam. The donkey saw me. Turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. But I would have spared her. Wow. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming... He went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Arnon border, at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? And Balaam says, well, I've come to you now. 
That's all we have for today on The Living Word. If you have any questions for us about what you heard from Pastor Danny's study in Numbers, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. The Living Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. If you're interested in connecting with us over social media, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our YouTube channel. You can search for Calvary Chapel Fellowship, or you can find us by following the links at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Our church is filled with imperfect people being made holy by our perfect Creator. Join us on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. to worship God, read His Word, and get to know each other better. Find directions at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Our time with you has officially come to an end, but we're honored you tuned in today to study the Word. Join Pastor Danny next time as he continues teaching through the book of Numbers right here on The Living Word.